0: We're going to be starting a new series uh, this month. It's called "If My People," and it's, it's, it's dealing with the Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles, uh, chapter seven, verse uh, fourteen. Uh, in in the, the, the Living Bible, it says, "Then if my people will humble themselves and pray, and search for me, and turn from their wicked ways, it says I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land." It's a challenge to us as a people of God to humble ourselves, but also to pray and seek God. To turn away from the things that are hindering us in our walk with God, that God would begin to heal the land, that God would begin to to work in our lives. And we want to just look at this over the next four weeks of, of how, if we begin to do the very different topics that we're going to speak on in these next four weeks, if we were to allow God to do these in our lives, we begin to see God just do greater things in our lives right now we're in a season and everybody's making their New Year's resolutions. I know I hear it every year, you know, what's your resolution? And I, I, don't, I don't get into all that, but there's a lot of people that make their New Year's resolutions. I talk a lot about, a lot about my job because there's just so much material there from my work. You know, I get some good stories there. I've been there 20 years and, and it just every year, you know, everybody get their New Year's resolutions. And I remember, you know, there's those that, you know, want to lose weight. You know, this is my resolution to lose weight, you know, exercise. I'm going to do better this year or I'm going to start something new or I'm going to, stop a bad habit, uh, but when you look at, really look at New Year's resolutions, they're basically made to be broken, uh, you know, because they're not taken serious. It's like, oh, yeah, I'll do one, you know, and if I succeed, fine, but if not, you know, there's no big deal. I remember when the Nutribullet was a big deal when it first came out, and, you know, I remember guys at work, they'd come in with their, you know, Nutribullet cup, with their, you know, their smoothie, their green smoothie, and they'd come in, and, you know, they'd be drinking them, you know, and it was be at the beginning of the year because they'd get it for Christmas. And I always laughed because there was this one guy, young guy, he'd come in with this green drink and he'd be sitting and I'd be watching him and he'd be looking around and I'd be going, I'd be drinking like that. And it, so that lasted about a week or two, you know? It just, you know, just something that people did for a couple of weeks. I bet everybody right now, everybody's eating salads, you know, January's the month of salads. But then February's Jim's Burgers with a double cheeseburger, onion rings, and fries, and a Diet Coke. know, Because that's what New Year's resolutions are. They're not really taken, you know, taken serious. You, know, you see the advertisements now and, and commercials on TV for all the gyms that are advertising gym memberships. Uh, I, right where my yard is, right where I work, my office, right across from us is a park. And what I do every day is, I, 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 for last year, I just, every day for lunch, I would go do a walk around the park. It was like a two mile walk. Man, I passed by on Tuesday and it was packed. I mean, packed. Everybody was in there with their new gym clothes and their headphones, you know, and they're, again, New Year's resolutions. It's just something that people say they're going to do, but, you know, they're not really serious about it. When we look at this series, If My People, we don't want this to become a New Year's resolution. We don't, And what I mean by that is because we don't take New Year's resolutions serious. What we want to do is, over these next four weeks, as we talk about If My People, we want to look at every topic that's covered this month, and we want it to become part of our life. We want it to become a lifestyle, something that we're serious about, something that we hear from God, and it becomes a discipline in our lives. So I'm starting off this series this month, and the very first uh, message that we're doing this month is, If My People Fast and Pray. All of a sudden, everybody said, oh, fast, and turn me off. We want to look at what fasting is and the importance of fasting and praying as the people of God, as as men and women of God, that we look at and understand what fasting is and the importance of it, but also incorporating prayer with it. I looked at one definition. It says, biblical fasting is the act of intentionally abstaining from food or a regularly enjoyed activity. It's going without food for a period of time. Other people, they they stop doing certain things that, that they enjoy for a certain time. But during that time, it's to focus on a period of spiritual growth. It's to grow, to deepen our relationship with God through prayer. That as we're fasting, we're drawing closer to God, we're seeking God, we're setting aside everything, uh, th- everything that, that, you know, that, that hinders us, and we just focus in on God during the time of fasting. Jesus wrote or spoke in Matthew 26 and verse 40. He says, then he returned, and Jesus is praying. He went up to pray, he took some of the disciples with him, and he's there, and he's praying, and he says, then he returned to the disciples, and he found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? He says, couldn't you stay up for one hour and help me pray? He says, keep watch and pray. He says, so that you will not give in to temptation. He says, and this is the part we look at, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh or the body is weak. The spirit wants to pray. The spirit wants to draw closer to God, but the flesh always gets in the way. And Paul writes in Ephesians, he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires uh, of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. He says, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're no longer under the law. He talks about how the flesh and the Spirit war war against one another. And as we are taking a time of fasting and prayer, what we're doing is we're removing every distraction in our lives. We are denying the flesh, because again, the flesh wars against the spirit. So when we begin to deny the flesh by fasting and praying, what we're doing is we're denying the flesh to focus in and glorify God, to become more sensitive to the Holy Spirit, uh, to see it, find ourselves going deeper in our relationship through prayer with God. Anything given up for a period of time with the purpose. Of focusing more in on God, we could consider that a a fast. First thing I want to look at is fasting is something that should be part of our lives. In Matthew chapter six, in verse sixteen, and I only want to look at this very first part. I'm going to come back to it later. But Jesus says, "And when you fast," he's talking about this is what happens when you fast. He says, and we understand that Jesus understood the importance of prayer and fasting. As you read throughout the Gospels, it always talks about how Jesus went away to pray. That he always went the time to, to be in, in, in communication with his Father. And you think, well, why does Jesus need to pray? Why does Jesus need to fast? He's the Son of God. But he did. He needed that communication with God. And he did himself. And we see in, after his baptism in, in, in Matthew chapter 4. We see after his baptism, it says that Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. How many know when you're fasting, the devil tempts us when you're fasting? It's like you're, you're fasting and you're, being, you're, you're, you're saying, oh, okay, I'm going to fast. And I'll come here somebody, hey, man, I bought you something to eat. The person, the last person you would think of, hey, man, I bought you a hamburger. Here, here you can have it. Here I brought you a soda. Happens to me every time. You know, I'm not announcing, hey, I'm fasting and this and that. And sure enough, every time the devil comes and he uses somebody to come and try to tempt us. And this is what happened with Jesus as he's fasting. he says, and he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. What he was doing is preparing himself for his his public ministry because this is after that he said that he began to ministry began to start his public ministry but it says that the devil came and tempted him but Jesus used the Word of God as the devil came and began to speak to Jesus and began to tempt him and tell him if you turn these rocks into bread you know you you could do that but Jesus began to use the Word of God because he was in tune with God because he was preparing himself through prayer and fasting we look at Moses in Exodus uh, chapter 34, how he's there with God in Mount Sinai. And it says, Moses, in verse 28 and 29, it says, And Moses remained there on the mountain with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. And it says, And in that time he ate no bread and drank no water. Again, we see Jesus fasting for 40 days, 40 nights. We see Moses is there with God, and he's in the presence of God. He's, he's communicating, he's talking with God, and he says that he, he had no bread or no water during that time. And he says, And the Lord wrote the terms of the covenant, which was the Ten Commandments on stones of tablet, stone tablets. It says, When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, carrying the two stones, the tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, he says he wasn't aware his face had become radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. It says there was a glow about him. He was in the presence of god he was there praying he was fasting he was communicating with god for 40 days and 40 nights and he said that there was a glow about him we see pretty much the same thing with daniel in daniel chapter one king nebuchadnezzar is bringing back people from 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 bringing back people into babylon and he selects a a group of young men that he wants to be his servants there and he he gives the, the decree that they would be give the finest food you know the meat the wine everything that he had there in his kingdom but it says that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to eat the king's food. He says, "No, we don't want to eat the king's food. Just give us vegetables and water. Vegetables and water." That's where a lot of people get Daniel fast. But he said, "Give us the vegetables and water." And it says that the servant there said, "No, I can't because if this happens, you're going to look sick. You know, you're only eating vegetables and water. You're going to look sick, and, and, and the king's going to come down on me." And Daniel in chapter one, Daniel 1:12, he says, "Please test us for ten days." on a diet of vegetables and water. He says, just test us for 10 days and see how we look after that. And it says in verse 15, at the end of 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young man who had been eating the food assigned by the king. He says that they looked better. They were fasting. They were there with just the vegetables and water. We see how Moses was with God, and there was a glow about him. It says that Daniel and these young men looked healthier than all the others. Why? Because they were in the presence of God. They were seeking God during this time. So after that, the attendant fed them food only of vegetables instead of the food the wine provided to others. And in verse 17, it says, God gave these four young men unusual aptitude for understanding in every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel... The special ability to interpret the meaning of visions and dreams. God began to, 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 to give them gifts and, and talents to begin to, to use them in the kingdom. And it says because these men humbled themselves, they prayed, they fasted, and they got a hold of God through there during that time. See, when were, when we're fasting and praying, there needs to be a purpose in our fasting and praying. See, during the time of fasting and praying, there needs to be purpose. There needs to be a desire, a hunger to get closer to God. You know, to hear from God, to prepare prepare ourselves for what God has for us. And we're going to look at some different stories of how people fasted. And it says that we would prepare ourselves for what he has for us, to show us areas in our lives that need to change. During a time of fasting and praying, God began begin to show us areas that we need to change in our lives, to ask him to get involved in a situation that we may be facing. We look in, uh, well, first before that, because when when we fast and pray, one of the things I always hear is, you know, I need to lose weight, so I'm going to fast. Fasting is not a diet. If you come in with it with the mindset, oh, I need to lose some weight, so I think I'll just start fasting, that's not a fast. What that is, that's nothing more than just a a New Year's resolution. See, fasting is not a diet where you feel like you need to lose weight, because because then it just becomes self-centered. I'm just focusing in on my image. You know, it's a New Year's resolution, because there's no purpose behind it. You know, there's no real reason why we're fasting or praying. And what happens is, as we look at it in this sense, we end up quitting after a few weeks or so. Again, don't fast because everyone else is doing it. Don't feel obligated or or it's part of a religious tradition. Again, when Jesus spoke in verse, uh, chapter 6 of uh, Matthew and 16, he says again, when you fast, he didn't say if you fast or in case you fast. He said, but when you fast... And Jesus is basically telling us this is something that should be part of our walk with him. That's when you fast, he gives instruction when you fast. He says, that when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. He says, for they try to look miserable and disheveled to people so that people will admire them for their fasting. He says, when you're fasting, it says, don't make it, you know, public display that, oh, look at me, everybody, I'm so hungry because I'm fasting. Jesus says, don't do that. Oh God, I'm dying, Come in the house, I'm dying because I've been fasting these 21 days. I'm melting away. This past weekend, we had my granddaughters uh, spent the, the weekend with us. And it was Sunday morning we were there, and my granddaughters were in the kitchen. And my granddaughters goes, "Grandpa, waffles!" And I'm like, "What? Who are you talking to?" I go, "That's not how you ask for things." And she tells me this, "Well, I'm hungry. So I guess that's a mixture of hungry and angry. So when you fast, it's not a time to be hangry. Where you're fasting at home and you're yelling at your wife, your kids, your husband. I've been fasting and i got to, you know, and and you're so angry and and upset because, you know, I'm so starving, I'm dying. Jesus says, don't make it obvious. Don't be like a hypocrite trying to look miserable that people would just admire their fasting. We see in Luke 18 with the story of the the, the Pharisee and the tax collector. It says the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like this tax collector. And this is what he says. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. See, that Pharisee fasted out of religious obligation. It was a man-made tradition that they were fasting he says, I'd fast twice a week. There was no humility in what he was doing or no desire to get closer to God. Basically, it was just a self-righteous act so he can look at God and say, God, look at me. I'm fasting twice a week. He says, I'm not like others. This is an attitude, really, that's unacceptable to God. We just come into uh, to, to, to fasting and just say, no, look at me. Look at me. Look what I'm doing. I'm fasting for you, God. There has to be a purpose, a reason why we're fasting. There has to be a motive behind it. And and Isaiah, as as God is speaking to the children of Israel here, and he says, Yet they are so pious. They come to the temple every day, seem delighted to learn from me. He says, They seem like they're delighted to learn about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of God. They They ask me to take action on their behalf, Pretending that they want to be near me. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? Again, telling God, God, why aren't you impressed that we're fasting? We have been very hard on ourselves. Again, it's look at me, God. Look what I'm doing. And, and he, God continues, why? He, goes, he says, and you don't even notice it. He says, I tell you why. This is an answer to them. I tell you why. I respond. It's because you are fasting. To please yourselves. Even while you fast, you oppress your workers. Their motive for fasting was all wrong. God even looked at it. and said, look, you're pretending to even be near me. You act like you're delighted to, 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 to learn about me. And you barely, basically, you're just fasting for yourselves. James, in James, he says, even when you ask, you don't get because your motives are all wrong. You want only what you want to give you pleasure. Because he's basically saying you have the wrong motives. When you pray for things, you're praying for things that just for the wrong motive. And this is how we need to look when it come into a fast, that we have a right motive for the reason of fasting, that we're not doing it to diet. We're not doing it to let everybody know, hey, look at me. I'm doing it. We're not doing it out of obligation, but we're doing it because we want to draw closer to God. We want to prepare ourselves and say, God, you know, speak to me during this time. Or God, prepare me. Or God, get involved in this situation. Jesus continues in Matthew uh, six, verse seventeen. He says, "But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face." Again, talked earlier. He says, "Don't be like the hypocrites who look like they're dying and you know they're, they're dragging themselves around." He says, "But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting." Basically, saying, "Don't let anybody know about what you're doing, what you're fasting." He says, accept the Father who knows what you do in private. It's between you and God. Your fast is between you and God. Let's not go around asking, anybody, hey, are you fasting? What are you fasting? But it's between you and God. He says that God will, will, knows what you do in private, and he sees everything. In our, you know, and it says that he sees everything. And he sees our motive, our heart, our desires to get closer. To and it says, and he will reward you. When he talks about seeing in private, you could look at Matthew 6.6 6, again, where he talks about when you go and pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, again, it's going in, just you and God, it says, put on, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees a secret will reward you openly. Again, it's not a show. It's just a, a, a time of fasting. It's something where we are together alone with God, that we are seeking God, that we're coming together and asking God to do whatever it is that, we have, that we we're asking him to do. Again, it's, it's in secret. Jesus warned about that where he says, don't be like the hypocrites who are just out there just ringing the bell. Look at me, I'm fasting. But to say, no, there's got to be a motive a purpose behind your, 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 uh, your fasting and prayer. In James, it says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The fervent, the effective prayer, a prayer that has purpose, a prayer that has meaning, a prayer that, 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 that we want to see God get involved in. Pastor Dan talked about a couple of weeks ago that he doesn't pray for, or does he pray for a Ferrari, but he knows that that's nothing he needs. But God says, you know what, it, 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 let there be effective and fervent the prayer that you're praying. It says, Elijah was a man like our, uh, with a nature like ours. He prayed earnestly that, he would, that it would not rain, and it did not rain for three years, six months. He prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced fruit. Again, while we're fasting, and as we're praying, let it be effective. You know, again, it talks about in the Scripture, we use the beginning, if my people will humble themselves... If they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face or search for me it's a purpose that we're doing this because we want to you know really seek God during this time and Ezra you see Ezra is bringing the people back from Babylon to Jerusalem and there by the Hava Canal it's Ezra eight twenty one, I gave orders for all us to fast again he gives orders for all the people to fast and humble themselves before God and he says we prayed he would give us a safe journey to protect us and our children Uh, and our goods as we travel. They're praying for God to give them and mercy, to God that would protect them on their journey. And this is why, he says, for I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen. I didn't want to ask the king to send people to protect us. He says, I I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to accompany us, to protect us from the enemies along the way. After all, we had told the king. He says, after all, I told the king how God of protection is on those who worship him, but his fierce anger rages against those who abandon him. He goes, how can I ask the king to send all these warriors, everybody to protect us as we go on our journey, when after all these things I'm saying about how God is going to protect us? He says in verse 23, so we fasted and we earnestly prayed that our God would take care of us. And he says, and God heard our prayer. There's a people that prayed and had an understanding that looked we, we, we want God to get involved. And there's situations in our lives that we need God to get involved in that we say, God, you know what? It's a time of fasting and prayer. And again, it, it, it has to be with a purpose, with the with, with fervent prayer that, you know what, God? This is, we need you in this situation. Let our prayer and our fasting be with purpose. I want to look at corporate fasting now. Corporate fasting and prayer. When you talk about corporate fasting and prayer, it's when people get together and pray. I know a lot of people have their... their, their their group text where they send out to each other and, you know, let's pray for this person, and it's very effective. And it's the same thing with fasting and prayer where you call for a group fast or a group prayer, whether it be in your, you know, circle of friends or maybe your family or even uh, your, your, your Relate Home group where you, you say, let's this, this fast for, for this certain need. Let's pray for this certain need. And there's a good story here in, in, in the book of Esther. And I, if, if you never read the book, Esther, just read that. There's a good story here about Queen Esther and her, her cousin Mordecai. And it through the, through the chapters, it tells how she becomes queen. And she's there, but it says that Mordecai warned her not to reveal their nationality, which they were Jews. So she became queen there it, it, under the king. And, and it says that Mordecai became a servant there. And it says one day he was hearing two men that were talking about how they wanted to assassinate, assassinate the king. So it says that Mordecai went and spoke and warned the king, and it says that they found out it was true. So God gave Mordecai, began to give him, uh, you know, favor there. And it says that during that time, there was also a man who was Haman. He was, they said, the most powerful official there in the kingdom. He was a man that would walk through town, and the people would bow before him as he would walk through the town. But it says that Mordecai refused to bow down to Haman. They even, you know, warned him, hey, Mordecai, why don't you bow down? And he just refused to bow down to him. So what happened is that this angered Haman. Haman inquired about Mordecai, found out that he was Jew. He was Jew, and he began to plot against him. And in the book of Esther, chapter three and verse eight, it says Haman approached the king Xerxes and said, "There is a certain race of people which is where the Jews scattered through the provinces of your empire." keep themselves separate from everyone else these are people they separate from themselves they do their own thing their laws are different from those of any other people and they refuse to obey the laws of the king he began to plot you know plant seed there in the king just bad seed about the people so he says so is it not in the king's interest to let them live basically we shouldn't let these people live he says it pleases the king issue a decree to have them destroyed and i'll give large sacks of silver to the government administrators to be deposited in the royal treasury. So Haman comes before the king and offers him money and says, "Look, these people, you know, they are no good. They they don't they don't honor you. They, they they do do their own thing, have their own laws." He says, "You should have them all destroyed." And to see this, the king agreed, confirming his decision by removing his signet ring from the finger and giving it to Haman, uh, the enemy Haman, they called him the enemy of the Jews. So it, as you read the story it talks about how Haman's plotting to put the Jews to death and what happens is Mordecai finds out about the the plan that Haman has and he you know he starts to 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 to, to wail and cry and, and do all this so we're get back to Queen Esther and they ask him what's wrong and Mordecai tells her what's going on that that, that Haman's gonna have all the kings put to death all the Jews put to death and Esther tells him, and he tells Esther, Esther, what you need to do, you need to go to the king and let him know what's going on. Let him know what Haman is doing. Let him know that, hey, you know, this is your people. But Esther tells him that if anyone goes to the king uninvited, they'll be put to death. And Mordecai says, but don't you understand that even if you're the queen, do you really think you're going to escape the killing of the Jews? So in Esther chapter 4 and verse 15, Esther sends this reply to Mordecai, go and gather together all the Jews of Susa, And fast for me she calls for a corporate prayer she calls for all the people to gather together and begin to fast she begins to call for a corporate fast and says get all the Jews and fast for me do not eat or drink three days or nights my maids and I I will do the same and then though it is against the law I will go to see the king if I die I must die she was praying and asking for, for God's favor with the king she was asking people, let's pray and ask God to give me favor when I go before the king. Because nobody ever goes into the king uninvited. Because when they do, it says that they're put to death. So Mordecai did everything that she said as Esther ordered him. As you read the story, that's, uh, as they, did, they fast and prayed, it says that Esther went before the king. He invited her in and gave her favor. And you can read the story, but basically what happens is that God exposes Haman's plot. The God begins to expose what Haman was going to do. And it says that, that the king became angry with them. that he was begging the queen so much that he started touching her, and the king walked in, seeing him touch her, that he said, oh, you could even, you even try to attack my wife in my own home. So it says that the king had um, Haman put to death on the very pole that he wanted to put Mordecai to death. It says that the king gave uh, Esther all of Haman's wealth, gave it all to her. Uh, Mordecai was shown favor, but it all started with a corporate fast and prayer. since the Jews were filled with joy and gladness and were honored everywhere. Every province of the city where the king's decree arrived, the Jews rejoiced and had a great celebration and declared a public festival in the holiday. Why? Because God, during that time as Mordecai was raised up, the Jews were given more freedom there in that town, in that city. Why? Because it started with a group of people that fasted and prayed together. There was a need and they came together and fasted and prayed. In 2 Chronicles, the story of Jehoshaphat, how the armies of the uh, Moabites, Amorites, and the Meninites uh, declare war against Jehoshaphat. It says that they are coming, marching against him. Word gets to Jehoshaphat that, hey, they're coming. They're on their way to get you. And in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 3 and 4, it says, Jehoshaphat was terrified by this new news and begged God for guidance. He began to ask God, God, give me your guidance. Give me some insight here. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fighting. Fasting. Again, he called for a corporate fast. He called for all the people to begin fasting. So, so the people of the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. They're fasting for God to give them insight. They're fasting for God to give them uh, guidance and they're pr- fasting for God to, to give, you know, protect them and help them. And as they're fasting, and it says Jehoshaphat starts praying to the Lord. In verse 14, the Spirit of the Lord came on. M- came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehazal, the son of Zechariah. And this is what he said. He said, listen, you all people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Again, they're praying and fasting for God to give them insight, give them direction, and God begins to do that. He says, listen, King. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. We need to understand when we go through situations, the battle is not ours, but it's God's. And we begin to pray and fast and get a hold of God. God begins to give us guidance in situations that we're going through. He says, tomorrow, march out against them. You'll find them coming up, but you won't even have to fight. He says, think about that. This army is coming against you, but you guys won't even have to fight them. You're just going to go up there, and he says, as you won't have to fight. Take your positions and stand still and watch. And begin to watch the Lord's victory, for he is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. And again, God began to give them guidance because they had a corporate fast and praying, and they got together and asking God for help, and God began to speak to them. It says that Joseph sent out singers in the morning as they in, in front of them as they were going out to, to, to where God directed them. And this is is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithfulness endures forever. At that very moment, they began to sing and give praise. And the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. He told them, you won't even have to fight them. They started fighting themselves. Started fighting against each other. God got involved because of people that got together that humbled themselves and prayed and sought his face. And God gave them victory that time. We see in the book of Acts, again, a group of people are fasting and praying. Having a corporate fast, they're praying together. In Acts 13, verse 2 and 3, while they're worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. As they're fasting and praying, again, God begins to minister. God begins to speak to them. God begins to give them direction. It says that they were worshiping. God says, he says, set them apart for I've called them for the work. It says, then after fasting and praying, they laid hands on them and set them off. It says that they were instructed by the Holy Spirit because they were fasting and praying praying together. They, were, they had a corporate prayer. They were seeking the direction for God for the, the early church. And it says that they sent up Barnabas and Saul. But if you think about it, Barnabas and Saul were fasting too. They were praying too. And they were also preparing themselves for the call of God because they could have easily said, and I hear this so many times, uh, let me pray on it. Let me pray on it. When people are asked to do something, get involved and, 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 and seek, you know, to, 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 to you know, step forward and, and do something in the house of God, and then always get the response, well, let me pray about it. never hear back from them most of the time. Barnabas and Saul were ready. Because they were fasting, they were praying, they were in the presence of the Lord, and they, they were seeking God for guidance and direction. So it says, so they, they went. They said, yes, we're prepared, we're ready to go for whatever God has for us. This month we're declaring a 21-day 20, 20, fast, fasting and prayer here in the church. We're declaring 21 days of fasting and prayer. We're calling a corporate prayer as a church. And we're believing God for great blessing upon our lives, but also the church As we prepare ourselves for what God has for us, as we seek God for his direction, as we seek God for for what he has for us for this next year, and that God would begin to to speak to people's hearts, to prepare them to to invest their lives into whatever area God has for them. I want to challenge you as we do this 21 fast that we, we seek God during this time. We really look to what God has for us. We have these booklets, the 21 days of fasting and prayer, if you haven't got one. And... Again, it's it's 21 days of however you want to fast. You want to do 21 days, no eating. That's good. You know, some do liquid fast, some do one meal a day, some, you know, just do different things that that, that really distracts you, as you you really think about it. That just distracts you. That you would set that aside and just focus on God. That you would take the time to just get a hold of God in prayer and fasting and, and really seek God and ask God, God, what is it you have for my life? What is it that you have for me this 2023? What is it you have for my family, God? What, you know, if, if there's a situation in God, that you would help me in this situation, that you would give me favor, that you would get involved, that you would give me victory in this area. But we're doing it together as a church. As we're preparing these 21 days. They have these in the foyer after service, if, if you want to get one of these booklets. It's really good, it's 21 days. And again, they have different uh, ways you can fast. Uh, and again, I say, you know, because I've heard it so many times, that's why I speak this, it's like, oh, you know, I need to lose weight, you know. Not, not, don't let it be that. Let it be with a purpose that you really want to hunger and thirst and, 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 and just seek God. You want to get a hold of God that you really say, I'm going to humble myself and pray and seek his face these 21 days. When we look at fasting and praying, these are two things that go hand in hand. As we're praying and fasting, what we're doing again is we're denying the flesh. We're laying aside everything that distracts us so we can just focus in on God. In Matthew 5, 6, Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled those that hunger, those that desire more of God, those who have a pursuit of a right relationship with God. Jesus says when you hunger for those things, you will be filled. In Luke 2.36, it talks about Anna the prophetess. She she was an 84-year-old woman. She was a widow. And it says she never left the temple but stayed there day and night worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she was there when Jesus, the baby Jesus, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. When Jesus came, she was there, and she, be, she was able to see the very one that she would tell people about, the very Messiah, the very Son of God that was coming to rescue Jerusalem, and she was able to see it firsthand because she was a woman that was daily Praying and fasting in the temple. And Daniel, we know, understand that Daniel was a man of prayer. Throughout the book of Daniel, he always talks about his prayer life. It talks about how, you know, he was told not to pray anymore, but he continued to pray three times a day. And it says that he was thrown into the den of lions because of that. So we understand that Daniel understood the importance of prayer. But you also see times where he talks about when he fasted. When he fasted and prayed. And that, I'm sorry, Daniel chapter 9 and verse 2. It says, during the first year of his reign... I, he's talking about the king, he says, During the first year of the reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the, of the Lord, as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet, that Jerusalem must uh, lie desolate for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. He begins to plead as, as, as the 70-year period is about to end, and he's beginning to plead to God for the people. And he says in verse 22, as I was praying, Gabriel who I seen in an earlier vision, came swiftly to me at a time of evening sacrifice. He explained to me, Daniel, I have come here to give you insight and understanding. Again, uh, Daniel's seeking God. He's looking to God for direction. He's fasting. He's praying. He's crying out to God. He's humbling himself. He's praying. He's seeking his face. He says, Daniel, I've come here to give you insight and understanding. The moment you began praying, a command was given. And now I'm here to tell you what it was. For you are precious to God. We really look at our lives. We are all precious to God. And he says, you are precious to God. Listen carefully. He said, you can understand the meaning of your vision. He was in tune with God. He was praying. He was fasting. He was getting a hold of God. He was seeking God. And and God says, here, your, your prayers were heard right away. And here we are now to give you some understanding, some direction. The platform can come up. When I was given this uh, assignment for, for this, this month, a prayer and fasting, I started thinking about my life and my wife. In our early days, we were, we were, I was 24 when I got saved. She was younger. And I remember our early days of, of just serving God and Prayer and fasting was something that we just, man, we did all the time. It was just something that we did together, and man, those were some. I mean, it, times are good right now. I don't want to make it sound like all well, those better times, but there was some times, man, that we would just fast and pray, and really seek God in different areas of our lives. To just because uh, it was just a hunger. It was really a hunger for more of God in our lives, and we would fast and pray and just believe God for things and. There were some situations that we were facing. We had a, child, a son that was, had some serious medical issues, and we were praying and fast and, and believed God for him and other areas in our lives so we just, you know, mainly just, God, what is it you have for us? And it really set us on a path, you know, to just want more of God. As we humbled ourselves, we would pray, and I don't say this to sound like the Pharisee, oh, look at me, look what I've done, but I say this to help those that maybe are struggling with fasting. Don't you hear, oh man, the fast, I can't go without eating. And, and and but when when you're in the presence of God, it talks about how they were some were fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, probably didn't even feel it. Because they were in the presence of God. And I want to encourage those that maybe you don't fast, you don't pray, I mean you don't fast, you don't get incorporated with prayer. I want to encourage you, man. God does some great things in your life. I know there are some here that fast all the time and you just see the fruit of that in their lives. And I just remember in my early days that God would just move in our lives, God would help us, God would just do great things. And it really set us on the path that we're on today. Our lives are blessed, we're really blessed. We've seen God do just some tremendous things in our lives, in our family, in our marriage, and and it all started in those early days that we would just fast and pray, just me and her. And we we would just love God, seek God, and just hunger for God, and God would just fill us. In John chapter 4, verse 31, Jesus had just got talking to the woman in Samaria, and then the, 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 his disciples came to him and says, You know, Jesus, eat. But he said to him, I have food to eat that you do not know of. They're asking, well, somebody bring him something to eat. He says, Jesus said to him, My food is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. Jesus talks about that hungering and thirsting after righteousness. He says, my food is to do the will of God. And as we fast and again, as we pray and as we, we humble ourselves and pray and, and, and we search for him, it says, we'll heal our land. He'll forgive us our sins and heal our lands. What is it that we are, need healing from? Not only just physically, but other areas in our lives, our homes, our marriages. Jeremiah, he says here in Chronicles, he says, humble yourselves and pray, search for me. Turn away from that wickedness, and you'll hear from heaven. Tonight, I wanna to challenge you. God's dealing with you God praying and fasting. I guarantee you, God will do some tremendous things in your life as you begin to seek him. Why don't we bow our heads this evening?